Hello and welcome to Criticism is Dead, a weekly culture podcast about what we're watching and what it all means, if it means anything at all. I'm Helen keskin Liu, a producer and writer. I'm Jenny Jijang, a culture writer and critic. So this week we are discussing Zola and No Sudden Move. These are two films about getting lured into a criminal scheme and getting in over your head. Don't get into criminal schemes, kids. Yeah, Just don't, don't do get it. in over your head. <laughs> So we are back, uh, actually back to our regularly scheduled programming every week, you know, weekly grind. Um, how have you been, Jenny? What, how's your week, weeks been? Weeks. How was, yeah, how was July 4th and all of that jazz? Good, I guess. Like July 4th weekend, I went to movie theater for the first time the Friday before that weekend. Oh my God. Obviously, because I will be talking about Zola, which is not streaming right now. It's in theaters, mm-hmm. so. Um, but yeah, went out in the suburbs, uh, $8 ticket, like, holy shit, like, I forgot how cheap it could be out in the suburbs. Yes. And the Extremely theater was completely empty except for one other girl. So just like, enjoy the distance, enjoyed, uh, having the theater almost completely to myself in like a Friday morning. And yeah, that was nice. Um, I'm surprised <laughs> that they're showing A24 movies in the suburbs, dude. Yeah, cinema, I'm, cinema is really progressing. I, I eh? guess so, you know. Good A24 for them, man. is now it has the reach, like it's got the reach, all the man. young people, they love it. Uh anyway, what about you, Helen? What have you been up to? So I've moved house. I'm in my new place now. It's definitely quieter. It's definitely like you know, I'm in a brownstone, it's nice. Um, I did get sick though. I got the pride cold. So <laughs> I'm, I'm healing from that. I'm feeling much better. Uh, it's fucking hot as shit. Like, do not move in the middle of the summer. Oh. I have been okay though. Like, mm. I feel like, <laughs> so I've watched, Lo- I've been watching Love Island for the first time. Oh, um, I've actually never watched any of it. Jenny, it's honestly so fucking entertaining. <laughs> Okay. Um, so just as, as some background, I'm watching the 2019 version. Like it's my first one. So I wanted to do right by myself. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that the, the one that's airing right now, it's not as great. Okay. So, um, my husband and I started watching it and we're both locked the fuck in. Wow. It is truly incredible television. Those producers know what they're doing, mate. They mm. know what they're doing. But yeah, I say that to say I've been on an extremely like British wave. these last two weeks and then obviously today's the match for the euro finals Mm. so hopefully the lads bring it home and if they don't that's fine like i think if anyone can take the l because we've been taking l's since ever it's gonna be the it's gonna be england yeah that's it man i'm i miss i'm still missing my hometown (laughs) yeah i was like i was gonna say this feels a little bit like that (laughs) yeah all right jenny so tell me about your zola experience how was it I have to say Zola is a pretty good pick if you're going to like make a return to movie theaters. It would have been even better, I'm imagining, at like some Alamo screening at at midnight with a bunch of other people. But, you know, like you can get rowdy. I think a little bit. But also the thing about this is that it is kind of a bleak film in a lot of ways, um, as expected from the subject matter. So Mm. it's a film that's like alternately like fun and absurd but also pretty dark and like sobering so to give some more context in case you're not familiar with the tale of zola this is kind of an anticipated i think highly anticipated or just anticipated a24 film based on the real life zola zola is not her real name it's kind of like a stage name or nickname 
But this is a woman who tweeted out this viral thread in 2015. You might know it from like many of its iconic lines, especially like the opening. Like you all want to hear a story about why me and this bitch here fell out. It's kind of long, but full of suspense. That really blew up in 2015. And then there was a subsequent like Rolling Stone feature on those events. And uh, now it's a movie, which has been, I think, a while in the making. Mm-hmm. So this film is directed by Janixa Bravo, written by her and Jeremy O'Harris. And it stars Taylor Page as Zola and Riley Keough as Stephanie. So if you're not familiar with the thread and this whole story, uh, basic synopsis is that like Zola is a waitress who also dances. She meets a white girl, Stephanie, while waitressing. And they quickly become friends. And then Stephanie invites Zola co- to come to Florida, uh, along with Stephanie's boyfriend and her roommate, to, you know, strip, earn lots of cash, whatever. But the trip, like, flies off the rails. And there is all manner of, like, prostitution, uh, pimping, like, shooting, violence. Like, all that sort of comes about from this uh, thing that was just supposed to be, like, a, a trip to make... Uh, some quick bucks with a new friend so that's sort of the story that like nothing that sort of happens is a spoiler if you are familiar with the the thread and the story of what happened yeah i don't know it was an interesting watch and pelin were, were you able to watch this i did not watch it because i had my cold and i didn't want to get anybody sick so, so i'm being considerate yeah i'm trying to be considerate i like you said i know the beats i yeah. I, I have heard uh, like a bunch of my friends, including yourself, have seen it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I know what most people that I know like about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will probably see it soon. Like I, I, as soon as like I'm, I've cleared it with my own personal quarantine that I've set upon myself. Yeah. Um, I will probably go and watch it. But mm-hmm. um, I'm excited to hear your thoughts about it, honestly, because it's been interesting with the critic feedback it's been pretty mixed or i would say oh, has it? okay well not mixed i think like middling okay. is really the word that i'm looking for i think people like things about it but it seems to be like a solid three out of five stars from what i'm hearing so yeah. i'm i'm curious to hear your thoughts about it yeah that's interesting if i were to ascribe some kind of like rating system to this I would probably also do 3 to 3.5. I think the thing about it is, like, it has kind of a hard job because of the subject matter. Like, there's this kind of, like, thinking of, like, a a comparison or draw parallels between this and, like, Promising Young Woman, for example. There's this kind of, like, decor, like, aesthetically, there's, like, this sugary sweet femininity, like, pink and, like, glitter contrasted with like actually like the super dark side to being a woman in uh whatever whatever this is a society so that's like a similarity or like a parallel at least that i kind of thought of which is like a balance that i think i'm enjoying seeing but it's really hard to pull off and in this film obviously it's about sex trafficking at its heart like that is a thing that happens underneath all of these surface level like shenanigans absurdity whatever like the way that zola tells her story in the twitter thread she it sounds like a really wild like weekend tale like it's like a friend telling you the the wildest story possible and it's really funny because she is very funny but it is actually like a very dark story 
So that's like a lot to ask for, for in terms of like a film to pull off this like kind of tonality. Well, I think the film is really good at is capturing the the darkness of the subject matter, the sex trafficking, uh, like the roommate x he's named x in this versus um you know the phil the the twitter thread and like the the rolling stone article but he's like the roommate who is also stephanie's pimp um played by coleman domingo he is genuinely scary in this like i'm not familiar with a whole lot of his work outside of this this is kind of my first exposure to him oh man coleman domingo is amazing oh yeah yeah he's actually one of like one of my favorite actors oh, of wow. his age group yeah um if you are i think if anyone wants to kind of see like without too much investment uh his range mm-hmm. i would also probably watch the euphoria special with him and zendaya oh um, wait is he her like yeah uh, he's her sponsor buddy or yeah oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. shit i didn't realize yeah so same guy uh obviously you didn't realize because he gives off such a different vibe yeah. <laughs> i'm sure from what you're watching here yes. um he is extremely caring and i mean that's what i mean he just simply has the range he has like, the range. I, yeah. he, and he's also beautiful to look at and mm-hmm. you know the way that you can twist your handsomeness to suit whatever it is that you're trying to depict i think is very important as an actor yeah probably like, um, it's like the mark of a, a sociopath but also a great actor yeah, a great exactly actor. exactly that <laughs> um but no i mean colin yeah he's he's amazing and i'm hoping that he just gets even more roles that he can like really put his foot in um yeah. so yeah I'm, I'm, think- I'm glad to hear that he is very scary in this actually because it, he looks from what i've seen from the trailer he looks great <laughs> like he does look great and yeah. you know you could believe that he's like a charming guy but you know especially the first moment where he flips the switch he becomes really uh you know hostile and aggressive because uh zola the character is like kind of like defying him or whatever or be like or be like whatever to whatever he's like ordering them to do he flips the switch so quickly like it's 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 scary, and you feel the fear coming from uh, Taylor Page playing Zola, and I don't know, he's just, like, very effective in this. Like, even with a cast that obviously it favors Taylor Page and Marley Keough as the two main girls, like, he stands out in this, and I think he will probably get recognition for this in some That's way. great. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. he's, like, really great at embodying some sort of this darkness of the film, mm-hmm. and all, obviously there's also just, like, you know, plainly we see the actual acts of like sex like sex work um and how ugly some of that is like yes stephanie finds herself you know in this parade of dicks and we do get like some dick shots Mm -hmm. um and these like men who salivate over her like she is really gorgeous in this film riley keogh yeah and it makes it all the more kind of upsetting the way that she is just like yeah kind of trapped slash trap question mark um in this like work this like line non-stop line of men who are just coming to pay a few hundred bucks to to, to have sex yeah so. to yeah. have sex out there yeah i mean that's that's the this is what i find interesting about depictions of sex work in cinema because i think for the most part they are so they play into the fantasy of it mm. so i really appreciate when a film especially if it's directed by a woman 
does it in a way that feels a little bit more honest to what the mm-hmm. experience might feel like. And, you know, this is what I mean. I feel like it, it veers on two extremes. It can either be, like, excessively gritty and yeah. gross to kind of mm-hmm. showcase, like, the wrongness of sex work, or it can be, like, the fantasy to play into um, that, like some fetish that fantasy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But just capturing that scale, I think, is really showcases, like, the the, the absence of fantasy, with yeah. this and the reality that this is a transaction it's a business arrangement yeah and, and the body you know, is just another currency yeah totally and you know the film and any film really like it it what it's not too hard to depict that because you can really put that in as a montage yeah. and it gets at that repetitiveness and i think it it's helped in this film because we are seeing a lot of this from kind of the viewpoint of zola who is the narrator yeah. who is really good at playing this kind of silent watcher, this silent skeptic. Yeah, um, the observer. The, yeah, yeah, the observer, almost like the, the straight man, the one who's really, like, fully spelling out, this is fucking insane, like, we all know this, right? Yeah. Um, but who's also, like, scared for her life, in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, I wish, this is probably, some of my mixed feelings about this stems from, I guess, like, the role that, Zola plays in this and Taylor Page in this role because I wish I, w- I wish there was like so much more of Zola's voice in this mm. like she has narration she has some of the iconic lines like that she sort of says in a voiceover yeah. but not as much as I think I would have liked compared mm. to the original thread that relied so much on her narration and her voice that's just like so much larger than life oh that's interesting yeah and it i I would have thought that they used those things as like tent poles basically they did kind of but it's like i I wish there were more like zola becomes a little bit inscrutable at parts like taylor page is not given actually that many lines to deal with um because so much of her role again is this sort of this watcher, the observer, who's kind mm-hmm. of along for the ride that she didn't want to be on. Yeah. So instead of like filling that out more with uh, more of the narration, like the monologuing, it kind of just renders her silent and you see her expression, which, you know, I think Taylor pa- Page, she, she does those expressions really beautifully. The fear and like the what the fuckery is. is. Yeah. But I don't know. It's a fine line because if you put too much narration in it, also it could become like kind of clownery and that's also not wanted. But I don't know on this like balance um, between like maintaining that kind of like absurdity and the bombastic nature of Zola's voice. I think it tipped a little bit more into the somber and like dark aspect, which made some of it, you know, obviously you're like, oh shit, this is terrible sex trafficking is terrible uh you know all this stuff but it removes a little bit of the i don't know the the sort of vigor and like energy from zola's own tail from her mouth yeah i mean um, this is like striking that balance between you know everyone always says show don't tell when mm-hmm. you're trying to tell a story for the screen yeah but how do you do that with something that is based on a story that was all tell like yeah it's all tell it's like an oral tale it's yeah yeah, it's really hard it's a fable it's essentially a fable and it's really hard to like because and this is something that i wanted to talk to you about this is the first real story oh this is the first real adaptation of a twitter thread yeah which i think is amazing because Mm -hmm. the reason why so many of us were so excited about this film being made 
is because, I mean, I personally love that Twitter is being used as IP. Yeah. Because so many people that are so funny on Twitter deserve that. And the fact that Zola, the, 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 the person that tweeted this thread in the first place, like she has EP rights on this and mm-hmm. is being paid. Yeah. And that's fantastic because that's what should be happening. But like, I'm really curious as to how this is the first and how it's kind of kind of gonna go yeah the storytelling in general whether it's like for screenwriting or whether it's like how it's depicted on screen yeah it's it's really interesting it's like a really weird turning point i think for cinema i think so too Yeah. yeah and just like the race for ip in general like traditionally people have drawn from from books from magazine features mm-hmm. from all sorts of things but yeah twitter social media kind of a new one but it is like in essence like the especially things like twitter where things you know it has a small user base compared to a lot of other platforms but yeah. things there have almost kind of an outsized importance in terms of yeah how yeah. they you know just who it reaches and the it being based on like text-based storytelling or copywriting mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of potential there, I think. And there are so many people who like do all these like tweet storms, these threads, cause they think that their tale is going to, I don't know. It's almost like falsely kind of like trying to play up a, a grand narrative or something. Yeah. You can tell yeah. they're, they're kind of looking to go viral for this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not to say like this, this is natural because this happens with book writers and it happens with yeah. journalists as well. Like they will write totally. an article. They, they know that something is IP bait. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like they, they do it with, because writing a book isn't lucrative, but getting a TV deal or a film deal out of yeah. your book is, is kind of where you want to go. So it's natural for Twitter to, to be that way. What I'm interested in is, how well it translates because like you said twitter is it's a small slice but it's also very particular and in how it is entertaining yeah to other users amplification it's very very particular it's like its own language as to like why something goes viral on twitter as opposed to why it goes viral somewhere else or in some other kind of way so that's what's interesting to me i think zola is like i think it's a great first attempt yeah, uh, but I think part like from what I'm understanding, what, from what you're saying, part of the reasons why it doesn't work is because that has been lost in that translation. You know, yeah, a little bit of that voice, but you know, I get it. It's a really hard balance to strike. Yeah, and I mean, because so much of the film is like it wants to give you this stark look at uh, the subject matter, sex mm-hmm. trafficking, all of these like forms of violence. I'd say even like. There are parts that I found boring or that I sh- felt should have been cut because mm. moments there were moments of silence that seemed drawn out probably to try to communicate something about the bleakness of these circumstances. You know, just sort of like furtive glances here and there or lingering shots here and there or just like driving in silence in the car. But there there were a little too too many of them or too too long and that like slowed the film down when it should have been ramping up the entire way. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I mean, th- that's, I think what you're saying about those moments, like, that's why pacing is everything. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the story beats need to be interesting. Yeah, the dialogue has to be important. But if the pacing is off, the whole thing feels off. So it's, yeah. that's interesting. Um, yeah. I'll also say, like, shout out to the two leads, like, yeah, H and Riley Q, both gorgeous, of course. Like yeah. I mentioned, Paige, she plays this, like, 
she, uh, you know, she isn't given as much to work with compared to yeah, Riley yeah. Keough, who just like she's a bit, she's a bit more passive, right? Yeah, in the yeah. whole thing, and and Riley Keough, like obviously, she gets to play with like her a sort of like AV. She gets to play with how she says things, like all of her uh, manipulation, but also um, just like her sugary sweetness and like her allure, while also being like kind of like crass and vulgar um so riley keogh who by the way is the granddaughter of elvis presley this is a fact that i recently learned um yeah, she's yeah. like <laughs> really alluring in this role and the in relationship between zola and stephanie is pretty fascinating and especially the early days when we see they've, they've just met they're texting each other constantly like it just so accurately portrays the kind of early infatuation like you have a new crush uh that kind of giddy high uh right after they met and are like fully into texting that's done really really well like just this kind of enamored relationship between these two women who i mean i think it's like i think it's a mutual crush um and then how it like kind of turns into like this like partly hostile increasingly hostile increasingly just like complicated relationship throughout the film and that you know like when you meet it you know when you have a friendship as a woman with another woman it really does yeah it really does feel like the honeymoon stages of a really really nice crush where you just can't stop talking to one another because you feel like seen and understood and Mm -hmm. you know just that energy is amazing um yeah but yeah i mean that, that 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 my favorite part about that thread was that slow descent because that also does happen yeah you know it does happen where you're just like oh we have different values <laughs> like, <laughs> like like oh that's actually pretty important it. yeah 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 like oh that you know you're funny and you're fun to be around but when it comes down to it we don't value the same thing yeah you, um you just can't like fuck with each other yeah yeah um i i've got to say when i first heard the casting news i'm a huge riley keogh fan i think Mm. she is really good at playing she's been typecast in a way um i think she's really good at playing a young sex worker and the first time i saw her was in the girlfriend experience Mm -hmm. which is it's like an anthology type i guess not really um it's based on the film uh but it's a tv series and she's in the first season of the TV series. It's directed by Steven Soderbergh. Really good. Very dark also, but like actually dark. Like, um, mm. like there's nothing sugary about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she plays a sex worker in that as well. And she's just very good at being in that one. She's, she's kind of whatever, like the female version of that American psycho stereotype is of just like mm-hmm. expressionless mm. and also doing whatever she needs to do to kind of like get ahead in this world. Yeah. I, I would recommend people watch that TV show. It's amazing. But, um, that, but then also she was really good in like Logan Lucky, um, as like the sister, the Fast and Furious sister that knows how to drive. She's really good in that as well. So she knows how to play like the really serious, but then also like really like a little bit more lighthearted role of, mm. of that middle American, all American girl. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So I think that's her strength is like playing that all American girl and all the different facades of that. Now, your turn, Palin. What did you watch this week? All right, so I did not go to the movie theaters, although I think you can probably see this somewhere, but I watched this on HBO Max. This is No Sudden Move. It's a film that is directed by Steven Soderbergh. It's written by Ed Solomon, who I found this out just like 10 minutes before we started recording. He wrote all three of the Bill and Ted movies. 
So this is classic Soderbergh, and it's essentially a crime caper. It's a heist. There's so much dialogue. And the reason why I was excited about this is because Soderbergh plus like a cast, like a, like an ensemble cast, mm-hmm. you can never go wrong. Like it's truly like one of the best recipes. So this stars Don Cheadle as Kurt, Benicio del Toro as Ronald, Brendan Fraser as Mr. Jones, John Hamm as an FBI director, Ray Liotta as a crime person, Bill Duke as another crime person, Kieran Culkin, David Harbour, Noah Jupe. Julia Fox. <laughs> Remember Julia Fox? From it's really Uncut stacked. Gems? Stacked. Yeah. And then also the uh, late poet Craig Grant, who's aka Mum's a Schema. You know, I was. Uh, did you ever watch Let Them All Talk, the other Steven Soderbergh movie that was released in like the pandemic? That was the, times? the cruise movie, right? Yeah, that was a cruise movie, and that had yeah, like Meryl yeah, Streep and a bunch that. of. Yeah, that. So I was excited about this because, like, I thought that was really entertaining out of like all the movies that kind of came out in the pandemic time on streaming. That was like one of my favorites. So this film, I really went into it kind of knowing nothing. I knew it was a period piece. That's it. Mm -hmm. And to give you guys a bit of context, more than I had, um, it is set in Detroit in the mid 1950s, around 54, which is basically boom time for the automobile industry. Like General Motors is all there and everything. And, Kurt and Ronald, basically Don and Benicio, along with Charlie, who's Kieran Culkin, they are hired to babysit a guy's family while he goes and retrieves some documents from his workplace. Basically hold them hostage. Yeah. Uh, Noah Jupe is one of the hostages. <laughs> Bless him. I <laughs> thought that was incredible. Um, Honestly, I just want... He is getting work. Yeah, he's getting work, but also like... Noah Droop is British, which is like the funniest thing out of all of this. And I don't think anyone <laughs> has ever heard Americans. him. He keeps playing American. They're just like, you're never going to speak in your accent <laughs> ever again. Um, all you're going to do is just speak in an American accent and look really anxious. Yes. <laughs> like, he's so, exactly. his anxious face is so good. I recently watched The Quiet Place and there's like a moment where something terrible is about to happen and his face changes. And like my husband and I just cracked up because it's like the dupe <laughs> face. Anyway. <laughs> I love him. Love him. Can't wait for his first Oscar, honestly. Um, Mm. So the thing about this film is no one really knows what's going on, including the characters themselves. Yes. Information is unraveling to us at the same time that it's unraveling for the characters. And all you can kind of deduce is that Kurt is trying to get five grand so he can fuck off out of Detroit and get his land. We know that. And we know that there are two crime bosses and they are warring. So Frank Capelli, who is played by Ray Liotta, and Aldrich Watkins, who is played by Bill Duke, they... So basically our protagonist, Kurt and Ronald, they're in their crosshairs for some reason. We don't know why. And all the while they're just trying to retrieve this document. So they know that this document holds some kind of leverage, power, money, but they just don't know how many... Like We also don't know how many people are involved in getting this document and the exchange mm-hmm. of money. So I will say that much like a car, this film, you know, you don't know all the parts and you don't know how they work <laughs> with one another. Great analogy. But this is, this is definitely moving. It's definitely rearing down that highway. And I just want to pull back because I, I want to ask your experience in this because I'm, I'm curious to see how you navigate this film as you are watching it. Well, I was fucking confused a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. Is the, like the the essential <laughs> summary of my viewing experience. Mm. Um, a lot of 
you know, twists and turns, double double crossing, more double crossing, like reverse double crossing, and then yeah. like another like sort of betrayal here, another new alliance here. It's really it is a film that keeps you on your toes, but I think the danger of it for me personally, because I was uh doing like double screens at the same time. Um yeah. on my phone, on playing video games, like doing other stuff as I was watching. You're this. brave, dude. Oh it, my like, god. Yeah. So the problem with this kind of viewing experience, which is probably more common than is ideal, is that it like all the things that should keep you on your toes, it also carries the risk of you just like losing you just because you have to like sort of tightly hold on for the ride to be able to start to kind of follow where everything is going. So yeah, that it, it did lose me in a couple of parts, but that was kind of my bad. I think I, I agree. I think I would recommend everybody to watch this with subtitles and also to just focus. It is definitely one like this film is just one of those films that you can't double screen. But what I will say is despite my confusions, I was honestly enjoying the ride. You can deduce the the broad strokes of a scene. Yeah. This, it might have been like 20% of my viewing experience where I was like kind of confused. But for the most part, I was just... The, I don't know, the feel of it really spoke to me. Like, first of all, you know, through Mad Men and through other period pieces that are set in this time, you understand that the automobile industry is definitely at its absolute peak in this time and capturing yeah. detroit as well as a city at that because it's like the the fucking epicenter of it all it's like capturing a lightning in a bottle and mm-hmm. for us in in our period like especially knowing how it p- plays out like decades later it's really fascinating to see that just that crescendo that it's at at that particular moment and then kind of distilling what that says about American capitalism at its peak, basically, like it's uh, it's opportunism. Like that's it. This is what this film is about. Everyone's yeah, trying to. It's get- about getting. It's getting yours. Yeah, like and like everything else. Exactly, and this only it, it happens the most at times like this, which is basically when an industry is at its highest. There is a, an extreme level of competition, and everybody is just trying to hustle something, mm-hmm. right? So. It captures that beautifully. And I think, like, Steven Soderbergh, like, being the one to kind of steer this ship is perfect. I think if there's anything that Steven Soderbergh is good at, it's, like, fast-paced dialogue where criminals are talking to one another about organized crime. (laughs) And they do it in a really lighthearted way. Like, they've known each other their whole lives or they know what's going on. I don't know. I just, I just enjoyed the the Americanness of it all, and like, th- there's like one part right at the end. There's a cast member that I have not mentioned for the sake of oh spoilers. I yeah. was quite. I did like a double take when I saw him on screen. Yeah, you're, you're, I was you're like, like where that- the fuck did he come from? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's like a Soderbergh favorite. Um, mm-hmm. so that it, that came as no surprise at the end, but it was just funny to see this guy and. This character is, like, the guy at the highest up, basically. He's the one that's actually, like, he's got all the strings um, to whatever this entire scheme is. And he context dumps right at the end. He basically gives the viewer and our protagonist the the full-scale picture of it. And I don't know how I felt about that. Like, I get why it was necessary, but... You know, that plus the outro information shots that you get, like the text that give you like the context of whatever happens to that industry or whatever. 
I get it. I get. I get. I, 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 d- I didn't like the text. At the yeah, end, I get it. But it was also like it didn't need it. You know, we didn't start it off as like based on a true story because it's right, not, right. Right. Yeah. Um, it kind of it kind of lane switches into like let me end this on a make this historically accurate. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Give you the the textbook context when it's yeah. like yeah, we don't necessarily need it. You know, this is like you said, broad strokes are understood. Mm-hmm. Um, people are not in this for like the the detail of how exactly this went down and and like what this film gave me was like capturing this moment in time yeah right? it's, you a don't need to, it's a vibe <laughs> but you don't you don't need to like intellectualize it for me mm-hmm. like i already got it i deduced whatever was being communicated to me which was that like you know with that contextual monologue dump that we got that was enough for me again i don't know if that was necessarily needed um like throughout most of the film it's a little bit claustrophobic in that you just are trying to figure out what these two protagonists want yeah and what what they want in this very like their slice of this huge fucking pie mm-hmm. is all that we're focused on and then like right in the last 5 minutes we pull back and we see the whole pie right yeah i yeah, just it's wish two that- cogs in the in the machine yeah it's two cogs in the machine and the huge machine of this huge car that is American capitalism, right? <laughs> However, I love how you're bringing this. Thank all, you all back so yeah. much. But I, I, I do <laughs> wish that we kind of pulled back a little bit earlier. Okay, mm-hmm. I think it just happened too quickly, right at the end. Like it would have been nice yeah. in the last like 45 minutes, half an hour. It just it would have felt a little bit more gentle to me. Whereas it kind of came at like a very hard break. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe keep you. Keep going. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep going. It came as a hard, a hard break. Felt a little bit like whiplash. Kind of yes. didn't have my seatbelt, you know. <laughs> so um, it would have been nice to come to a bit of more of a rolling stop. Mm-hmm. So um, that was my only critique. I yeah. uh, I fucking love Don Cheadle and Benicio del. I think Benicio del Toro especially is amazing. Yeah. He's just so good at playing this like scruffy racist. Um, <laughs> More guy less, that yeah. yeah guy that keeps that is is just like a weasel like he's just pathetic now i'll go julia fox is in this um i love julia fox listen she's beautiful gorgeous i wish she was given a little more here i think I not even no 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 I, I think she was given enough my problem i think she should have had a dialect coach okay i her I didn't know what sort of thing she was trying to cape. Like, was she trying to make it like overtly Midwestern? Um, but well, just, I, th- like, I thought she quite... was just kind of talking like herself, like really? a, a girl from New York in the 2020s. Yeah, it sounded like something. Like some someone's attempting. I don't know. Maybe this really is just how she talks, but it did sound like someone was attempt. the The way she talks is not in line with how everyone else. That's is what I mean. At the yeah. Time. Yeah, so I I kind of felt a little bit like maybe because I think her energy was great. I think she captured the energy of this person perfectly. Um, I just she has vocal fry, and I don't know if vocal fry even existed back in the fifty fours. You know what I mean? Not like that anyway. <laughs> so whatever. Um, good for her. I didn't I didn't expect for her character to do that. I also. know, and I, I don't know. know if that means it was like good, a good shock, or if there should have been some like inkling clue. Yeah. Like something to make you feel like, Hmm, 
you know, something is, like, gonna happen there. Or, like, yeah. she is, like, in this state of mind. Or, like, this is the kind of person she is. Because yeah, we do. Yeah, we don't really spend well, like, that much the, time with yeah, her. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, I mean, like, when I'd say I wish she was, like, given a little more. Because they're just, like, hmm. Yeah, there's just not much there in terms of, like, getting to know, like, oh, shit. Like, would she do this? Why would she do this? Like, right. X, Y, Z. So, I think when she's first introduced, she is kind of monologuing to... Uh, Benicio del Toro's character, yeah. uh, Ronald, about spoiler her husband who mm-hmm. says that she's opportunistic. Um, oh, maybe that is the crime. so I that was a context, but because like again, I think because the camera is moving so quickly and you don't really like it's not like we're just focusing on her face. She's kind of in the background in the bathroom and we overhear her voice. Maybe she needed a little bit more focus, but I didn't mind it so much because I think it just kind of plays into that whole, like, everybody's just trying to get this. Yeah, I I think so, too. I think it yeah. worked. But again, some of these things come a little bit abruptly, I guess, yeah. unless you're paying so much attention or, like, really in tune with how all the different parts of the machine work. Yeah. And what's great about this is, unlike many other Soderbergh heist movies, this is a very like it doesn't go to plan like none of nothing goes to plan um again spoiler you think it is and then before you know it it's not and i thought that was really cool as well yeah just because it's nice to see characters that are trying and then don't get what they want essentially and that's because again this huge machine is just doesn't give a fuck about them and rolls right over them Mm. so yeah i've got to say steven soderbergh is crown king for me of like quarantine directors. I think he's really like he's one of like America's finest directors. Period. Yeah, you. I know you are a huge fan of his. Huge fan because he doesn't take himself too seriously, man. Mm-hmm. I think he's good at what he does, and I think he also like he has such a wide range of interests. I think he is not too precious about his craft, and I and I respect that and. It's great to see him distilling it. And I also love that, like, along with Let Let Them All Talk, along with this, along with, you know, him being an Oscar judge and then also, like, being a part of the planning committee and then, like, directing the Oscars, I think he's kind of won out. And, you know, like, people would ask him during the pandemic when there was, like, this existential threat about cinema and where it's going now that we can't film and now that no one's going out to the movie theaters they'd ask him and be like you know what do you think and he'd just be like it's gonna be fine <laughs> like <laughs> and that's basically what's what's happening like mm-hmm. cinema is is gonna be fine um i just appreciate that he has released two films on streaming that still made me feel like i was more at the movie theater than i was you know watching a netflix movie mm-hmm. so anyway so Please watch this. Uh, let me know what you think. Put the subtitles on. I regret not doing that sooner. <laughs> um, and also a huge shout out to Brendan Fraser for his cinema comeback. I hope he gets more roles. He, We've missed him. We've all missed him. So that's it for the movies that we've been watching this week. For Culture Notes... The succession trailer, bitch. <laughs> oh my god. We keep talking about like literally every single development on succession, but yeah. finally we have the trailer. We- it's not even like behind the screen sneaked in pictures of the set. It's the real fucking trailer, bitch. I'm so yeah. excited. And it did not disappoint. 
Oh my god! I think like everybody, <laughs> like collectively on Twitter, especially, were just like the serotonin boost that just like mm-hmm. ran like coursed through all of our veins collectively was amazing. <laughs> it just it just simply did not disappoint. So I think it's like a it's like the teaser trailer. It's not like the trailer trailer, which will yeah, probably just being like cut a, right now, and it's probably going to drop sometime in August. They're like still filming in Italy right now, right? So they yeah, don't have all the footage. Yeah, they do not have all the footage. I do think it says fall twenty twenty. I think it's probably gonna be november you know fall can i think a lot of people think fall is september no like it's probably gonna be november yeah Um, i think so too post-production takes a couple months so i'm so excited so we will obviously link this in our newsletter we'll we'll link it in our twitter so people can watch it if they haven't already i'm sure it's been retweeted right yeah yeah and um we just want to go through our top three moments of kind, the trailer. Yeah. I mean, you already told me yours, Pelin, so just go ahead. I think you can probably okay. guess what Pelin's number one is. Shiv is spitting in a book. <laughs> the spit that rang throughout <laughs> the land. I honestly, I want to do a collection of clips of actors spitting in like TV and movies. Because the, the other one is um, is Rachel Weisz spitting it into oh. Rachel McAdams' mouth, which is also yeah. an iconic spitting moment. Um, but just spit is hot, dude. Like, let me not tell on myself with my kinks, but spitting is hot. <laughs> and this was excellent. And I, A, I want to know what the book is. B, yeah, I want to know like, why she's why, why, what's the point of spitting a book? I don't know. But she looks good doing it. Would you say, do you think it's like Tom's journal? Oh, interesting. Hmm. She is in an office. She, it could be Tom's office, I guess. The book. It's too big to be Tom's office. Real, uh, but it also I could be their. Could be it could be their new apartment. Didn't they move into a new apartment in, in, in season two? And like, kind of looked a, a little bit place. like that. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. What could it be? I don't, know. don't know at all. Don't know. Anyway, what's your favorite moment? I think in general, not a specific moment, but uh, the, uh, the second I saw Kendall, like just Jeremy Strong, I was just like, I'm back in. Like yeah. this is not to like. <laughs> <laughs> humanize you know someone who i mean all these characters blah 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 morally but we, we already know the deal but i am such a fan of jeremy strong now yeah it's dude. just like a visceral reaction to seeing him in this yeah. and in like all the various fan videos that have been popping up in comments like all the replies and stuff yeah you can't like, help you can't help but have such an emotional connection to him just based off of the way that jeremy strong has acted this character yeah, out to be like the fucking hell out of us. Just and like this like pathetic puppy. Yeah. You know? And the eyes. The eyes. Like the eyes of him welling up, the the pain yeah. behind his eyes. Like you can't help like if you have any shred of empathy in you, you just feel it it's like screaming at you. So then you just feel like oh like I hate this guy. I hate this guy. Like I would, I would. But we will temporarily forget that. While but we, we will this. forget that because we feel so yeah. fucking bad for him because it's really sad. Like his yeah. whole situation is really fucked. Yeah, that's how you write like really good characters. Yeah, like where morality or not, like who cares? Like who gives a fuck right now? But like, yeah, just the the sort of basest like human uh, emotion and like pathos and yeah. But yeah, he has this moment. The revolution will be televised. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck he's talking about, I guess. But there are cameras there, so 
you know, it's him back to his like kind of like corny, corny dude. Like, yeah, on the rise up. Like, like I'm the media feeling future. Happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So good, good for him. Good Love for him. Us. Kendall in a cap and suit. You know, yes. love Kendall in a cap. It's funny. There's a moment where um, Kieran Culkin's character, uh, Roy, what? Why Roman. I, Roman. Why did I say Roy? Romulus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, Rom- <laughs> where Romulus Roman, he is um, watching Kendall walk down. And he's like, here comes with stupid fucking walk, and it's just, it's so good. Like this is classic satire comedy where you wink and nod at the way that an actor walks in a certain way and then like you make that into be the joke because it's just like that fully right realized character it's so good yeah it's so good and there's like the classic like back and forth there's the classic logan scary threats like yeah like hulking bear kind yeah of thing. yeah 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 it's so good man i'm so excited it's yeah. just i'm mainly curious like I'm curious about how this season's going to go, A. Me too. B, I'm curious about how it's going to end, and I'm curious about what that's going to mean for season four. Because I because don't... Because this can't be the end, right? This can't be the end. Also, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure how much gas there is left in the tank of who's going to take over the company. Yeah. Unless like, something just, like, totally unprecedented happens. Like... Yeah. Like, where there, that is the que- But the question of succession is obviously central to succession. So, yeah. what can it really do without it? Exactly. So. And, like, how can you change that into feel new after, like, yeah. th- four, you know, three seasons of it? So, yeah. it'll be interesting to see. I'm more, like, I know that season three is going to be amazing. It's going to be, like, I don't know if it's going to be, like, the final showdown. But I, I'm assuming what's going to happen for season four is much like season two, there's going to be a shared threat to the company. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably going to be like, that's going to bring Kendall and Logan together to fight this again. common enemy again. Yeah. But we'll like, the di- I don't, I don't know if I'm super into that idea. But- yeah. I don't know either. I don't know either. Like, I think with season two, it was like, obviously the, the, the other family that was like, thinking about taking, but that was like a relinquishing. Yeah. Whereas I don't know if someone's going to be more like a hostile takeover of the company for season four, and they oh, have to like fight Stewie against this person. Yeah. yeah. It depends on the strength of the that shared enemy. I think in terms of like a character, yeah. if it's someone fun enough, it might work. Yeah. But anyway, also curious about how they're going to incorporate all the the new cast. Yeah, yeah. The 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 new cast members, uh, many famous names in this season. We haven't seen any, uh, like this for all the names that have been named. Like we we're not really seeing it in the tra- this like yeah one minute teaser so far. No, so but I think that's what I mean about like this common enemy. Like I wonder if it's going to be Mister Skarsgård that's yeah, the common the enemy. Guy. Yeah, it could be. It, it could, could be, be. Like, build, building, dropping them in first, and then building up for the subsequent. Yeah, season. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you look at when you look at most tv series where it is like one person's trying to one-up the other person like billions is a really good example of that there's a point where they be friend they have to like there's no there's no this the volley back and forth becomes tiring and then they have to kind of like quash that for something else mm-hmm. so that's probably good, what's going to happen i'm just curious how like season five six seven is going to go if it's even going to reach that point I don't think it will. I'll say this right now. I don't think. I think they're going to be smart enough to cut it off. They're going to cap it off at like when six, right. eh? Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Uh, anyway, this. I is- hope we live to see that day. <laughs> I hope it is out before the oceans <laughs> take us all. Yes, please. 
So we will obviously be watching Succession when that's out. Whenever that's out, we still don't have a date. But please watch the trailer. Um, get excited if you haven't already watched it. Yeah. Other And then other things are watching. We will probably be talking about Gossip Girl at one point. The HBO reboot. Just, I don't know. If you want to keep on top of that. I, it's yeah. not... Well, okay. I won't say any more right now, but maybe, maybe if you want to keep on top of that, we we may or may not talk about that at some point. Yeah, in the in the coming weeks. Well, yeah, months. I mean, honestly, we probably will because I think it says a lot about like reboot culture and like what that yeah. means. Um, yeah. so definitely, definitely watch Gossip Girl if you want to, or if you don't want to watch it, you could just skip it when we talk about it. Um, <laughs> That's true. You'll get the gist of it. You'll also. get the gist. Yeah. Um, I will probably be talking about Loki next week. Uh, oh but God, stay tuned. That also might change. Let me keep you guys on your toes. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll lend you my password, babes. Don't Thank worry. you so much. Um, but yeah, so that's yeah. I guess what's on the docket for us, possibly. As always, if you have any suggestions for us, recommendations, and thank you so far to anyone who has sent one in. We're, I mean, we'll like get there eventually. But yeah, yeah, let us know if we should check anything out. Um, our email is criticismisdead at gmail dot com. Or you can just, whatever, find us on Twitter and Instagram. DMs are open. You can tag us also, whatever. Otherwise, yeah, check out our newsletter for extra links to everything and just, like, bonus shit, whatever. Uh, criticismisdead.substack.com And rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars only. Please. Nothing else allowed. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, tell a friend. Send us some love. Yeah. To whatever. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate you. We do. And we are happy to be back. Yes. Uh, Thank you, everyone. See you next week. Criticism Instead is produced by Pelin Keskin-Lu and Jenny Jijan. Our music is by Rika. Our artwork and design are by Sarah Macias and Andrew Liu.